good people. Welcome back to Love and Grit. My name is Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. On today's episode, we pair one of Philly's most historic institutions with one of Philly's most innovative institutions. Yvonne Blake will join us on today's show. She is the owner of the oldest black bookshop in Philadelphia. Also coming up, Will Toms and Dave Silver, co-founders of Rec Philly, have reinvented your idea of workspaces to work for all creatives, and it's dope. But first, before we get to them and those great Philly stories, let's start with our lightning lightning round. round. Philly Fades. (laughs) And the topic of today's Philly Fades, your favorite Philly author. Rachel, you go first. Is this how we're doing it all the time? I'm always first at bat? I'm buying myself time. I'm buying myself time. (laughs) No, I'm going to go with um, Dr. Erica Armstrong Dunbar. She's a writer, historian, professor. One of her books includes She Came to Slay. Guess who that's about? It's about Harriet Tubman. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yes. That's a great title. Isn't that great? Yep. I'm going to go with one that's pretty well known, but hasn't written a ton of books. But he wrote a book with a title I think is very appropriate now for Philadelphia, as it was back in the late 90s when he wrote it. It's Buzz Bissinger. And the book is called A Prayer for the City. You can read it now and consider how Philly became what we knew it before the pandemic and what it'll probably become, hopefully, even better after. So I think A Prayer for the City is just a great title. And it was a really special book for Philadelphia. Perfection. I did a last minute switch for the little man. I was going to do somebody who's very well known to the Philadelphia community. But I was like, you know what? No. Khalil Munir has a new children's book out called The Crown is Yours based on his son. And he's an amazing dancer and entertainer and community activist in Philadelphia. And this is his first book. So congratulations to you. Support your Philly brother. The Crown is Yours. You know what, Laia? I feel as though for our next episode, we should have the same question for our lightning round. Like, I know it's not you really keep this- doing it. Yeah, because just like you had someone else, I had a couple of other people and poets and folks I wanted yeah. to mention. So wait, does this mean I have to start reading? Justin. Ah, that part, Justin. Justin. No, I'm just, I just joking. Re- I love. I just read. read the titles. I'm just joking, people. Don't take me seriously. Honestly, I love hearing things from other people because I trust people's recommendations. It's like better than reading the reviews, trusting the people you love. You were just gonna say, I just like hearing audiobooks. <laughs> I do like that, too. I was about to say, I listen to the couple on my walks in the morning, so there's nothing wrong with a good audio. Mm -hmm. And she does a lot during those walks. A lot of thinking, a lot of listening, (laughs) a lot of sending texts. Say a lot of texting. Jay, I have an idea. (laughs) A happy recipient. Okay. Should we get started? Let's do it. Let's do it. As curiosity peaks about the Black experience, Hakeem's Bookstore, the oldest Black bookstore in Philadelphia, continues to do what it has done since 1959, showcase Black stories, Black authors, and continue to promote independent Black literacy. This was the mission of founder Dawood Hakeem, and his daughter Yvonne Blake continues to hold this torch. The importance of the Black bookstore to its community is pivotal. In the words of Mr. Hakeem, Black people are the only people on the face of the earth who allow our pressure to educate our children. If we change our image of self, then we can alter our condition and thereby gain power and respect. Therefore, it is imperative for us to read, study, and manifest. Word and welcome Yvonne Blake. 60 years is quite a legacy. You were a baby when he started the store. I was 10. 
Unfortunately, my father passed away in 1997 and was a month away from turning 66. So I'm actually older than he was at the time that he died. I'm not good with math. But so you, okay. do you remember him opening the bookstore? I do because he used to take me to the store to work with him. It was a very small building at 5218 Walnut Street. He sold a few books and he sold greeting cards. We had no customers. That is what I remember. Wow. There were no customers. What do you remember him telling you about the importance of what he was doing? and why? That was it was so important for us to know that our history didn't start with slavery and that we had worth and that all the things in the early 60s, we were having the civil rights movement and everything. And he was trying to make me aware of what was going on and just trying to teach me to value myself. So where you were then to where we were in 2020 with the protests for equality, what was that like for you? It was scary and it also made me long for my father to be here to see what was going on, to see that the struggle was still going on and that people were marching to continue to get rights for minorities and African-Americans. How hard has it been being an independent bookstore, period, surviving in a post-Amazon world? Horrible. <laughs> in the beginning, we had a very bad uh, period starting around 2010. I believe that's when the SEPTA project started, which affected the Market Street L. Mm -hmm. And one of the problems is that I had a full-time job and I was trying to run the store in addition to having a full-time job. We should ask you, because I'm like, what was your passion? Because it wasn't wow. like this no. was <laughs> This like, wasn't it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, mean, I always loved to read and I loved books, but I worked for one of the major utility companies for 36 years. I didn't retire until 2013. Well, business got so slow that we were only open two days a week. We weren't making $10,000 a year. I was just keeping the lights on and thank God I had a job. So many things were changing. Technology was changing. And as you said, Amazon came along and, you know, I just couldn't keep up with my full-time job and the bookstore. So in 2015, I was really considering closing the store, which we had promised my dad when he was dying that we would keep the store open as long as we could. One of the local newspapers got a hold of the story that we were going to close and published an article. And that brought a lot of people to be aware that we were still there. I mean, people had moved out of the neighborhood that knew my dad and it brought them back. And then I had a young volunteer come in, a gentleman who had a business, he had a t-shirt business and they saw the article in the paper and they asked me, what could they do to help me? Mm. And he's been volunteering with me now for the last three years. And that has just worked wonders because technology isn't my strong suit. Your Instagram page is great. Oh yeah. That's not me at all. <laughs> I barely even log on. I log on there, but that's all. The gentleman's name is Chris. It's really helped bridge a gap. He's brought young people into the store. He gives me very creative ideas and he cuts some of the workload. I'm the kind of person that doesn't delegate. It's also really cool the different representations of generations together in that bookstore, because I'm sure that has a lot to do with the, the current content. That is correct. And again, we were so used to doing business the way my dad did business. And I was relying on, well, people know we're here because we were the first and the oldest. And it dawned on me eventually that a lot of those people have died or moved away. You know, I'm trying to market to people that aren't here anymore. So he opened my eyes to that too and, you know, brought different products in. And I realized I really needed a lot of help. Has the energy changed in the bookstore over the last six months since there's been, I mean, you've had protests right in front of your store. Right. I mean, has the energy changed? Is Are the consumers different? How do you feel about things? Our customer base is very different. 
The area is gentrifying. A lot of people didn't know we were there. And because of Facebook and Instagram, they know we're there now. We're getting a lot of customers. We're getting a lot of school teachers that are around African-American children and trying to educate them. And one thing I did was expand our children's section. We have a great selection of children's books. And I've got a lot of internet sales from all over the United States, which really surprised me. And that started almost the day after George Floyd was murdered. Mm. I looked at my computer and my email was like just blowing up with orders and they were ordering anti-racist books. They were ordering history books. And that hasn't actually stopped. I was going to ask you, what are your top sellers right now? Cast, anything by... I might pronounce his name wrong. Imbram Kendi. He has a new book out called 400 Souls. We get a lot of orders for that. Barack Obama's book. We carry a book called Black People Invented Everything. All of uh, J.A. Rogers' books, which are the books that got my father started, 100 Amazing Facts About the Negro and the Five Negro Presidents. Dr. Ed Robinson's book, The Journey of the Songhai People. It just amazes me that there are all these books out here that you do not see in mainstream bookstores. Yes. And so we have our niche. We stayed with specializing in African-American history. And as I said, the children's books, we sell books on religion and health. My dad was all about natural health and, and holistic health. I laugh sometimes. My dad was selling shea butter, natural shea butter and coconut oil in the 60s. What my father was doing was very innovative and he didn't get a lot of support doing these things. It was like, why is he selling these books? Nobody's reading these books. And why is he selling these products? And I'm sad that he's not here now to see that everything has come full circle. But look at all the generations you're touching right now. And especially when you mentioned the gentleman, Chris, that's helping to merge those generations and Mm -hmm. bring in a whole new audience. That's beautiful. And that speaks to your father's legacy. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Because I really was just ready to give up. What do you think your dad would think now? I think he'd be happy. I think he'd also be upset that we have not progressed farther than we've come that it took the murder of George Floyd to wake America up to the conflicts and the inhumane treatment that African-Americans and minorities have suffered. In some people's minds, we have not been liberated. We're still subhuman. Getting shot down in the street, murdered like George Floyd, was a wake-up call for a lot of people. I realized that things weren't as great as I thought they were because I had a great job all those years and, you know, nobody was calling me the N-word. And uh, it's just like really crazy because I attended Masterman and Girls High. I was around kids of all races and it was nothing for me to go home with my white friends or have my friends come to my house because one of the misconceptions is that my dad was a black militant. He was not. He just wanted people to acknowledge that African-Americans had a role in this country and that we are just as good as everybody else. And I don't know if you're aware of the FBI articles. Our store was investigated. They used to stand across the street from our store. There are quotes in that article from my dad. He's like, you know, they're spending all this money investigating. They really should just be trying to educate people. So as an adult and an older person, I now realize what he had to put up with to get to the point where he could own a Hakeem's bookstore, not only here, but in Atlanta. And he was just taken from me much too soon and from all of us. You're a Philadelphia pioneer. And so is your dad. Well, no, my dad was the pioneer. You've kept it going and it wouldn't be going right now when we need it more than ever. That torch is heavy. Mm. Yeah, that's true. 
And Hakeem's Bookstore right now, that's Philadelphia's history. And that's why your store is so important so people have resources. So if you're listening, make sure you support, make sure you visit, you know, follow the Instagram. Can you tell us the Instagram handle? Is it Hakeem's Bookstore? Yes. The website, same thing, Hakeem. Yeah, the website is Hakeem'sBookstore.com and the Facebook page is the same. Contact me anytime. Come by the store. Giving you that love. Right? (laughs) You've had plenty of grit. Okay, Her's new fire potato chips and cheese curls, they are spicy. Whew, they're hot as snacks yet. Hold on. Whew, but you know, it's not just heat. There's some nice, sweet, and savory stuff going on, too. Ooh, there's that heat again. It burns, but it burns so tasty. Ooh, that's hot. Find Her's fire snacks at your store today. Whew, taste the flavor, feel the heat, break out the Her's. Will Toms and Dave Silver have always been there for Love and Grit, especially since our initial shows were actually recorded in their, as I like to call it, super dope, amazing space called Breck Philly. This is the reason Will and Dave were name dropped in Forbes 30 Under 30. The creation and evolution of Breck Philly in just the past couple of years has led Will and Dave from entrepreneurs to community activists. They now are looked to as leading change makers for the creative community. How did they do it? And what's next? Yeah, we gonna ask. Hey, y'all. Hey. We recorded our first podcast at Rec Philly, which is an amazing place. Tell us about it. Wow. So Rec Philly um, really was something Dave and I had a vision to build back early in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, as we were navigating the creative industry and the creative community here in Philadelphia ourselves, always understanding here in Philadelphia, we have the most incredible talent in the world, in my opinion. But what we aren't is an industry town, at least not yet. Right. So for us, we were realizing that as an independent creator, it was just really difficult to navigate. Specifically at the time, we were focused a lot on musicians. And um, when we're throwing tons and tons of shows, we understood that folks needed access to high quality resources. Folks, more importantly, needed access to the information to help them to understand how to monetize their businesses. Right. How to how to build a business around their talent. And then third, we need a place for our community to to be able to convene and collab and share ideas. And that's really what, you know, informed how we then went and built our space. So Rec is what we consider this gym membership for creative people. And it's got- That's a great elevator pitch for it. Right? It it just makes it really plain. You come here because it's got all the things, the tools are here, the community of of like-minded folks are here with that same intention to get fit, right? But creatively- There's such good energy. You've created a a place and an organization that people really believe in. And you walk in there and everyone looks different. Everyone's working on different projects and different mediums. I mean, it's one of my favorite places in the city because it's really fostering so much creative work and freedom it feels free in there that's what we're after right that feeling exactly like you know when we were designing the space especially when we you know came down to the fashion district we wanted young people when they would walk in or really all people when they would walk in to just be able to rethink what's possible simply because of space that they've just walked into the design of the space is meant to challenge that creativity the this the people in our space have always been that so yeah the positive energy and that feeling of freedom is something that we wanted to be intentional about so i'm really glad to hear that you guys feel that way when you're in there 
So this is love and grit, and it's been a very gritty year. So because you guys, Breck Philly is about gathering, how has it been and where is it going? How have things changed for you guys in the last year since it's such a physical space? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's grit. <laughs> That's the word. It's been really challenging, right? But mostly it's been a roller coaster. We had just opened our space in December of uh, 2019. So for us to be open that December and then literally about three and a half months later in March, hearing the news that we needed to close the door of this physical space, you know, I went through all the, the stages of grief, especially denial. But once it set in and, and, you know, things like South by Southwest were getting canceled, it was very clear that this was a real thing and, and we had no idea where COVID was going. So for us, the first thing that we did back then in March, we were throwing almost 20 events a month, the educational events for our members. So all that overnight needed to be pivoted to digital, which we did really well. And I'm really proud of our team for doing that. And then beyond that, it was really about taking a step back and saying, hey, we know what our mission is to empower our creatives. But what does that look like beyond the four walls of our space right now? And to be honest, you know, after that, I'm really grateful because that challenged Dave and I to, to go ahead and, and, and fulfill that mission in other ways. And it actually produced some of the best ideas that we've had in a long time to be able to really support folks and meet them where they were. So when we think about, you know, Rec Relief, that was an initiative that came out really just because we knew how tough COVID had been on our creators, specifically folks that were making the majority of their money on the road, on stages, right, in, in front of people. Drop that number because you guys have been raising a lot of money for black and brown creatives during this during COVID. Facts. What, Dave, we're up to maybe $80,000 so far? Yeah, it went from 20000 to forty. dollars uh, Then we launched the new uh, Black Music City project, which brought that up to sixty, And uh, we just got another $20,000 in relief funding. And that's all in just cash. There's another about fifty dollars to $60,000 worth of sponsored memberships, which is getting companies to say, hey, some of these creators might not be able to afford rec right now, but we know they need it let us pay their bill. So in total, it's over $100,000 worth of either straight cash or resources that we were able to produce since June. You guys got some serious love this year too from Forbes magazine, both named yeah. Forbes 30 under 30. That's a huge deal. Yeah, man, it's it's a huge honor. You know, Dave and I, way back when we first started our journey, um, you know, Dave and I have been writing business plans since high school. We did independent study classes. They let us just have probably way more freedom than we should have. Shout out William Tennant High School. We were, you know, producing the afternoon announcements, <laughs> things like that. That makes so Wait, much sense. Was there a jingle? Was there like a jingle or something that you guys created before it started the announcement? Not, not that I remember, but I remember that Dave was the best weatherman in the district. Absolutely. You guys did the weather as well. No, yeah. Dave did the weather. <laughs> what did your family say about this? Because I'm I'm wondering at what part in, in your journey did your families go, oh, they for real and they're doing something that we're about to be proud of. Man, I mean, I think the blessing that both Dave and I have is, you know, we didn't we don't come from money in any regard, but we do come from a lot of love. We had the blessing that they believed a little earlier than most parents may when you know your your kids are talking about quitting great full-time jobs to then go and, and do this thing, right? But I, I I gotta say that when my grandmother got the news that we were in Forbes, like tears were shed. It was one of the proudest moments so far. 
Speaking of love, um, that makes me think about the support and what you're bringing to the community. You talked about the rec relief, but then you also had the big cleanup campaign, and that was right at the start of the pandemic. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well? So really the big cleanup was a community first idea. A couple of artists had come together. Gianni Lee, a phenomenal artist from Philadelphia, he really spurred the thought. He said, yo, what can we do to as, as creative leaders in our city, just come together to figure out what's next for us, right? We knew that, you know, in the uprising, especially in early June, as we're mourning the loss of so many black people at the hands of police, it was just, listen, at some point, the streets are going to clear up. And at some point, the hashtags are going to slow up. But what can we do to kind of keep this energy moving? Because we know that there's change that we want to see in our city. And we need to bounce back because some of our neighborhoods specifically were destroyed throughout the uprisings. So essentially, we came together, had a conversation here at REC. And what came out of that combo was how do we just start small and do something that can show a labor of love and remind folks that We shouldn't be waiting for someone else to come and save us. We shouldn't be waiting for someone else to come and clean our streets. We have everything we need with with our communities and the other folks who who care and want to support. So we just moved off of that energy and and it started with one cleanup going out to West Philly and bringing out 50 something creatives. And then we shared that on social media and other people said, yo, when's the next one? How do we get involved? Six months later, we've now done five of those cleanups from West Philly. We went to North Philly in the Hunting Park section, went to Germantown. We went to South Philly and back to West again. That's kind of what was what was happening there. And it's something that we want to continue and showing the younger generation that like it's our turn. And I think there's something special that happens when they see some of the folks they look up to, you know, young entrepreneurs and artists like Tierra Wack, right, and Gianni Lee and Chill Moody literally cleaning up their grandmother's porch steps, right? That's what we wanted to kind of just ripple out and and so our community inspire hopefully cities around the world do the same. Y'all making me miss Rec really so hard. I'm sorry, I'm sitting here just like doing my amens, yes, all of this. I'm just missing the energy of it. So wait, you answered the question about resource wise, but physically though, how has Rec Philly changed? Because if somebody walks in there today, it's not the same as it was last year. Yeah, we just reopened our space in February, but it wasn't even the first time we had to reopen our space. We were closed from March until August. And during that time, not really sure what it would even mean to reopen again. But when we did reopen the first time, we put into play uh, our capacity limits per studio. So we have four people per room, which is not a huge change. Typically, our studio capacity was either six or eight. So we just limited it to four people. The mask wearing is mandatory when you're in any public area. So in the co-working space where you're just walking to the bathroom, you always have to be wearing a mask. We have hand sanitizer stations all around our space. And then temperature checks are taken prior to coming into the space. Waivers are signed before coming into the space. And something that we did as well is we typically have a cancellation policy. So when, when a member is booking a studio and they cancel, they lose their credits, which is how they book their time. But with COVID, we allowed them to cancel with no penalty. That way, if there's even a slight inclination that you might not be feeling well, you don't have to worry about losing anything and we'll refund your credits. The, the biggest physical change, honestly, is that we limited the amount of seats in our co-working space. We used to have seating for close to 50 folks. We have seating for about 20 folks. And that way, everyone can be spread out and have their own space. We also recognize that sometimes it's really challenging, depending on what neighborhood you live in or your background, to even get COVID tested. So we're going to actually have free COVID testing for any member of our community who maybe didn't have access to be able to come and do that safely in our space. I knew y'all was on it. 
Is, yes. is your store open online, y'all? Because you know I've been rocking my wax shirt at least like. I was just times. about to say, wait, there's yeah, wait, we're talking about clothing. We could just sat up a little bit straighter. Wait That's, a minute. <laughs> yeah, so so our retail store in the mall is open, and our online store is open for folks to shop. Shop.recphilly.com. But as always, we're always finding new crops of creators to be able to put their stuff in the store. So if anyone wants to reach out, you know, support at Recphilly.com, we'd love to talk to folks who are interested in showcasing in our store. So what's next? How do you get 40 under 40? <laughs> a lot of pressure now. Can we celebrate and enjoy the moment? Jeez. Yes. That's a fast forward. But, but no, listen. Look. I know these guys are forward thinkers. That's true. Facts. Justin, I'm right there with you, man. Like we're, we're always thinking about what's next. And I think Dave and I both have understood really early that though we are from here and, and we, we know that Philly is number one. We knew that when we built Rec, we didn't just solve a Philly problem. We knew that there were cities all across the country and across the world who really needed this model as well. So for us, as we're thinking about what's happened in the pandemic, I think, you know, we're watching a higher need of, for community, right? We're watching a higher need for folks to have spaces to collaborate and have levels of access, right? We're watching more people enter the 1099 community, the free mm, the community, word up. right? And all of these things are positioning us for what we've always planned to do is to be able to scale to other communities and, and markets around the world. So Dave and I are spending a lot of time vetting our next three cities. We're going to start raising our Series A in three. about a month. <clears throat> My birth city is in <clears throat> Would it want to be my birth city? <clears throat> Would it want to be in my birth city? <clears throat> <laughs> Dave, Dave, I guess, is it too early to share publicly where we're going? Come, I don't come know. On. You heard it here first. Come <laughs> on. This is the exclusive. What do you think, Dave? Can we drop it? Do it. Do come it, on, Dave. Do it. Do it. We don't have any signed leases in any place, but we are uh, we are exploring uh, a few different markets. One that does include your birth, your birth city. Yeah, Rec DC is in, is in motion. Yeah, y'all are That's so cool. excited. I miss yeah. y'all. I do. I miss this energy. Like the energy of Rec Philly. It's, it's like just, <laughs> just talking to you guys like makes yes. me miss being around creative people because yes. it inspires you so much. Being on Zoom is great, but it's not the same. Not the same. It's not the same. We miss you guys too. Can't wait to, to get you guys back in the space. Yeah, I'm ready to go outside, y'all. I'm ready to go back to Rec Philly. I'm ready to go to Hakeem's bookstore. Like, I want to go in there. I want to go through books. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I just, I can't do the, the Google, the Amazon. I can't do this no more. I'm ready to go outside. It's nice to have contact with people and yeah. the dichotomy of our guests. Philadelphia history and Philadelphia changemakers right now. Yes. It definitely felt like a family reunion with Rec Philly. That was sweet. Maybe one day we'll be able to do this podcast together again. We will. Sitting we in the will. same place. We will. I'll see you again definitely. until next week. <laughs> we'll be here again. How about that? <laughs>